Hey everyone, this is Chris with Roleplaying Degenerates. And you guys are probably used to hearing Steve doing his interviews, but today we're going to do something a little different. After going to the Fan Expo in Chicago last weekend, we realized that there are so many people out there that want to play D&D, but don't know how. Um, maybe they can't afford the source books, or they don't know where to look, or whatever. Um, and then we realized that there's actually a severe shortage of D&D for beginners content out there. Uh, so this is going to be my attempt to give you like a D&D crash course, right? The absolute basic mechanics and foundational information that you need to get settled in at a table. So without getting too convoluted of an intro, let's get into it. So, you want to play D&D, but you don't know how or where to start. Most people have probably told you, read the books or watch someone play. Well, reading the books can sometimes get confusing for folks, and watching someone play doesn't guarantee that you're actually going to learn anything. So, I'm here to explain to you the basics and fundamentals of playing D&D just enough to get you to a table. I'll break it down into a couple of parts, uh, but this first part will go over the basic mechanics of the game, including the d20 system, adventuring, combat, and a few more things. Uh, in a later separate episode, I'll go over a character creation, and then in future episodes, uh, there's a chance that we could go over things such as spell casting and maybe some more advanced topics such as combat economy, writing a character backstory, creating NPCs, world building, and more. So what exactly is D&D? Uh, Dungeons & Dragons is a turn-based, high-fantasy TTRPG, or tabletop role-playing game. It requires a dungeon master, or a DM, at least one PC, or player character, and a D20 at a minimum. Uh, yeah, that's right. You can honestly play this game in its most basic concept with just those three things. The dungeon master will start by giving the party, or the player, or group of players, some kind of a plot. Uh, some world history, and a general direction. Typically, this starts by the DM describing the environment. Think something along the lines of, your party finds themselves in a tavern on the outskirts of town. The tavern is roughly 40 feet by 40 feet, with a main entrance on the south wall, several windows lining the east and west walls, and a large bar along the north wall. There are booths along the walls and round tables scattered throughout the middle of the room with patrons of varying races drinking and gambling. There's a large staircase along the east wall that leads to a second story, which you assume has rooms available for rent. Behind the bar is a stout but short dwarven male with bright red hair and an elaborately braided beard. They would then prompt the players with something such as, what would you like to do? Or, what are you doing? At this point, players will take turns explaining what they're doing or what they would like to do. You could do something simple, such as I lean against the wall and glance around the room, or you could do something which will lead to a social interaction, such as I would like to approach the bar and order a drink. The DM will then narrate the results of your actions, and when necessary, will request checks or saves. You lean against the southern wall and observe the patrons in the tavern. Roll a perception check. More on perception checks later. Or, as you approach the bar, the dwarf notices you and approaches. While cleaning a ga glass, he asks, what'll it be? I'd recommend the whiskey, but we're all out. 
Cue the social interaction. At this point, the player and the DM will roleplay having a conversation in character. This could be a simple roleplay moment, which allows you to display your character's personality, or it could be an opportunity for you to probe the NPC or non-playable character for more information. You might ask, I'm in town looking for work. Do you happen to know where I might find some? Or something more specific as alluded to by your DM at some point. Remember, D&D is a tabletop role-playing game. The game is at its peak fun when the party and the DM are all role-playing and interacting. Don't be too shy to speak in first person or use an accent or an altered voice or even dress up as your character. This is what makes D&D so much more fun than other tabletop games. But I digress. Anyways. Now, this is where checks will come into play. In any given situation, you can investigate something. A door, a book, etc. Or look around for something. Perception. Or try to hide and remain unseen. These all have correlating ability checks, which are based on a roll of your d20, or 20-sided die. The DM will have a pass-fail number in mind, or from a book. For simplicity, think 10. So if you wanted to observe the tavern and look for an alternate exit, the DM would ask you for a perception roll, for your ability to perceive an escape. You roll your d20, and if the result is higher than the save, in this case a 10, the DM will tell you whether or not there is an exit. However, if you roll below a 10, the DM will explain why you didn't find the exit you were looking for. Something along the lines of, you look around the tavern, searching for a secondary exit. Unfortunately, a drunk stumbled into you, spilling his ale all over your boots and distracting you. Now, your d20 roll can have a modifier, a certain number that will be added to or subtracted from your roll based on what your character is good or bad at. Some characters will have a high perception and might get a plus two to that skill, changing a roll of a nine into an 11, effectively changing a failure into a success. Or other characters might be the opposite. They may have a minus two, resulting in changing a success into a failure. Every check will have an associated modifier, which you'll find on your character sheet. We'll go over this more when we cover character creation. Additionally, some checks or saves can be made at advantage or disadvantage, depending on certain situations. What this means is that instead of rolling 1d20 for the check, you roll 2d20s. Advantage taking the higher result, or disadvantage taking the lower result. One example of rolling with advantage would be a barbarian. They have an ability called reckless, which allows them to roll attack with advantage against the enemy. Therefore, they roll 2d20s, say one result is a 12 and one result is a 17, and take the higher result, 17. They then add any modifiers to that, and that is their attack. On the other hand, if a player finds themselves consumed in complete darkness and they don't have dark vision, they would roll their attack at disadvantage. For example, a human ranger finding themselves in a cave with no light, they would roll at disadvantage to shoot the goblin in that cave, rolling 2d20s and taking the lower result. There are several other factors that could cause a player to have advantage or disadvantage on a certain role, including DM's discretion. For me personally, as a DM, if a player comes up with an exceptionally creative solution to a problem, I will always allow them to roll with advantage when trying to complete that task. Something to note is that advantage and disadvantage can cancel each other out. You also cannot stack advantage or disadvantage. 
you will only ever roll two d20s, never three. Now that we've got those basics out of the way, let's discuss a few more important notes. Things that you don't necessarily need to have memorized while playing, but things to consider as they're important and absolutely affect the game. First is time. Adventurers should always attempt to consider time throughout the campaign. In an open world scenario, city or wilderness, time will typically pass in a scale of hours. It may take eight hours to travel from one city to another, so a player would want to consider what time they leave their current location as they may not want to get caught in the wilderness at night, risking having to camp in the dark or possibly be attacked. This could also potentially affect the player's effectiveness in combat. Remember, the inability to see your target may lead to having disadvantage on your attack roll. Or perhaps it takes two days to travel to a certain location. Players may want to consider checking their inventories to ensure they have sufficient food and water to support two days of travel, as well as planning for short and or long rests along the way. Time while on combat, however, is a little bit more cut and dry, lasting exactly six seconds per turn. But we'll get deeper into this when we discuss combat. The next thing to consider is movement. In combat, every player has a movement speed, generally 30 feet, which is the maximum amount of movement they can do in one turn. However, outside of combat, movement is much more lenient. The player's handbook has a table for distance versus time, or pace, and the effects of traveling at such a pace. But that's something that your DM will typically track, and many DMs don't even bother with this. Things to consider when moving, though, would be types of movement as well as terrain. Any difficult terrain, think mountains, swamps, ice, etc., will reduce your movement speed by half. So if it takes two hours to get from point A to point B, but the path is covered in ice, it now takes four hours. This also applies in combat, which again, we can discuss more later. There are also speeds specific for climbing, swimming, crawling, jumping, and flying. Climbing, swimming, and crawling cost double movement, which is doubled again if you're on difficult terrain. For example, if you have 40 feet of movement on your turn, you can only climb 20 feet. And if that wall is icy, creating difficult terrain, you can actually only climb 10 feet. Jumping is determined by your strength score. Your DM can explain this in more detail, just keep in mind that if you have a low strength score, you're probably not going to be jumping very far. And as far as flying is concerned, most characters will have a flying speed of zero, meaning that they cannot fly. The exceptions to this are certain races, such as the Aarakocra, or certain spells. And again, you need to discuss this with your DM, because many DMs do not allow flying at their table. Other things to consider while moving include marching order as in who's entering the room first, the low HP wizard who might get one shot, or the tanky barbarian who can handle the room full of goblins on his own, as well as stealth. The faster you move, the more likely you are to be seen. And perception. The faster you move, the more difficult it is to notice certain things, such as, let's say, an ambush. Now, a few minutes ago, I mentioned resting. Players want to keep resting in mind, as it is the best way for character recovery. Magic users are the prime example. A low-level wizard may only have three, maybe four spell slots, meaning that they can only cast three to four spells. Once they've used those up, they're effectively useless in combat, as they are often incapable of melee combat. And many of their cantrips, which will be covered in a later episode, are not designed for combat. So, 
they would need a rest. But how much rest, you might ask? Well, you have two options, and your DM will tell you which one you can fit in at a given moment. First, you have a short rest. Short rest requires at least one hour of downtime, during which a player can do nothing more than eat, drink, read, or tend to wounds. At the end of a short rest, a character can use their hit dice, which will be explained during character creation, in order to regain lost hit points. Some characters may also regain abilities or spell slots from a short rest. Next is long rest. Think of getting a full night's sleep here. A full rest requires at least eight hours of downtime, during which at least six hours the character sleeps. The other two can be used for activities similar to those allowed in a short rest. At the end of a long rest, characters regain all lost HP, spell slots and abilities, as well as a number of expended hit dice. A character may only benefit from one long rest in a 24-hour period. Something to keep in mind with long rest is that if you are interrupted during your long rest, you reset back to hour one. So if you sleep for five hours and then you're ambushed on hour six, you do not gain the benefits of the long rest. You have to start back over at hour one. Now for the exciting part, combat. While many people view role-playing as the meat and potatoes of D&D, combat is every bit just as important. Combat is where the epic things happen in campaigns, where the halfling fighter strikes down the fire giant with a swing of his short sword, where the human paladin slays the ancient red dragon with the thrust of his greatsword. A combat will almost always begin by the DM saying those fateful words. Roll for initiative. Initiative is basically just combat order. It is a turn-based game after all. Each player and enemy will roll a d20 and add their initiative modifier, which will be found on your character sheet. Characters and enemies are then arranged in order from the highest roll, being first in combat, to the lowest roll, being last in combat. This is your initiative order. On your turn in combat, you can move, take an action, take a bonus action, and communicate, keeping in mind that your turn lasts only six seconds, so communication is limited to only a few words or gestures. Movement in combat is determined by your movement speed, found on your character sheet. You may have 25 feet, or you may have 40 feet. Whatever it is, that is your maximum movement speed on your turn. You're not required to use your entire movement speed, or move at all for that matter. You may also break up your movement throughout your turn. For example, you don't have to move, and then attack, or attack, and then move. You can move 10 feet, attack, and then move 10 more feet, and then use a bonus action, and then move another 5 feet. So long as you do not exceed your maximum movement speed, you can do it in any order you'd like. Keep in mind the things that we discussed before that affect your movement speed though, such as difficult terrain, swimming, climbing, crawling, etc. Also keep in mind that for most characters, moving through the same space as another character, whether friendly or enemy, is considered difficult terrain. Also consider that if you're knocked prone, it generally consumes half of your movement speed in order to return to a standing position. Another thing to consider when moving in combat is what we call opportunity attacks. That is such that each character has a certain reach, generally about five feet. If you exit a character's reach, they may use their reaction to make an attack on you. 
So if you're in melee combat with an enemy and you willingly leave their reach, they can't make an attack on you. The same goes if you're moving past a character. If you start your turn out of reach of an enemy, but while running past it, you enter and leave its reach, it may make an opportunity attack on you. The same, however, is true of players. If an enemy exits your reach, you may also use your reaction to make an opportunity attack on them. This mechanic can make or break certain encounters, so it is important to keep in mind when determining your in-combat movement. Actions can be consumed on your turn by a number of things, but typically speaking, your action will be your attack, whether that's swinging a sword, shooting a bow, or casting a spell. Think of your action as the main thing you're doing with your turn. Other things you could do are essentially peripheral to that. Things to keep in mind are that interacting with certain objects, such as consuming a health potion, may cost your action to do, and that not all spells are cast as an action. We'll get into this more in the future episode covering spellcasting, but just be aware that some spells have a casting time of one action, while others have casting times of one bonus action, one minute, or even ten minutes or more. Other things you can do with your action include dashing, which doubles your movement speed, disengaging, allowing you to move without provoking an opportunity attack, helping, offering aid to an ally, or hiding, rolling a stealth check to see if you can successfully hide from the enemy, or ready, also known as holding an action. For example, I'd like to hold my action. When the orc walks through the doorway, I'll fire an arrow at him. Actions aren't necessarily restricted to these things, but anything not covered here will typically be at the discretion of your DM on whether or not it's allowed. Now, making attack is fairly straightforward, but can become convoluted in some situations, and tends to be where a lot of people get tripped up. The first step to making an attack is selecting a target, an enemy that's within your range of your desired attack. Ranges will be listed with the weapon or spell. Then, when you roll your attack, for this, you roll a d20 and add your attack modifier, which will be found on your character sheet. You compare that result to your target's armor class, or AC. If it meets or exceeds the AC, it is a hit, and you can roll damage. But if it is below the AC, it is a miss. On a hit, you roll your damage dice. Each weapon and spell will have its own specific damage dice, so consult your character sheet or the player's handbook for this information. Now, one of the most exciting parts of combat is the glorious natural 20, or the infamous natural 1. These are what we call a critical, either a critical pass or a critical fail. DMs often play these differently, so expect them to explain to you exactly how they want to do it, but generally there are a few common ways to do this. Nat 20s are usually played one of two ways. Either you double the amount of damage dice you roll, say instead of rolling 2d6s you roll 4d6s, or you roll your regular number of damage dice and then double the result. I've played at tables that do it both ways, and there are valid arguments for doing it either way, so it doesn't really matter what your table does. Uh, the biggest point of contention is typically on the dreaded natural one, or critical fail. Many DMs will treat this just like a regular failure and move on. There's nothing critical about that. But there are a select few, an elite few if you will, who treat a natural one as a critical fail. For example, imagine you're a ranger. 
and you fire your bow at an enemy who has their sword to your ally's throat. You roll for your attack. Natural one. Well, it is a critical. So you're going to either double the dice or double the roll. However, it is a critical failure. So that damage you just rolled, yeah, there's a pretty good chance that you miss your target, but just enough that you put an arrow into the bicep of your teammate. Yeah, critical rolls are critical. There's some variation to making attacks based on whether it's a melee, ranged, or spell, but we want to give us the specifics here. Now, even though there is so much more we could talk about regarding combat, this is intended to be a crash course for beginners, so we won't get into those specifics just yet. Just be aware that there is much more detail in the player's handbook regarding things such as mounted combat, underwater combat, grappling, shoving, two epic combat, area of effect spells, etc. The last combat piece we'll talk about is the reaction. A reaction is an instantaneous response to some trigger or action, which might occur on your turn or might occur on someone else's turn. The opportunity attack, mentioned previously, is the most common type of reaction. However, certain spells and abilities allow for a reaction. For instance, the spell Shield has a casting time of one reaction. Basically, this spell allows if an opponent attacks you, you can use your reaction to cast Shield, which temporarily increases your AC by 5 points, potentially turning a fatal hit into a miss. If a reaction is taken during another player's turn, immediately after the completion of the reaction, that character resumes its turn. The biggest thing to know about combat though, and this goes for beginners, experienced players, and DMs alike, is to pay attention, especially during other players' turns, and have a plan in place when it comes around to your turn. There are a few things that will kill a fun session faster than the wizard taking five minutes on their turn just to figure out which spell they want to cast. Don't be that player that's staring at their phone during everyone else's turn then has no idea what to do when it gets to their turn. Pay attention, be ready, know your attacks, spells, abilities, whatever, and be prepared to do something on your turn. Alright guys, well that's pretty much all you need to know mechanically to sit down at a table and play D&D. That may have sounded like a lot, but I promise you, it's not. Once you sit down and actively play, it all happens very smoothly. Your DM and oftentimes your other players will help guide you and explain the rules and mechanics. And if you ever have any questions, the player's handbook is your best friend. I highly recommend getting a copy of it at some point and reading through it. You could read it a hundred times and still not know everything there is to know. So don't be afraid, don't be shy, just jump in and have fun. And by all means, if you're someone who wants to play but can't find a table, please jump in our Discord. We run campaigns, we run one-shots, we do D&D and Pathfinder and Magic the Gathering and all kinds of stuff. We have tons of players and tons of DMs, so even if you just want to jump in and ask some questions or watch and listen to other people play until you get comfortable, our Discord is there to bring people together through D&D. You can find the link in our link tree through our Twitch or Twitter uh, at RPDegenerates or our TikTok at RoleplayingDegenerates. Anyways, uh, thanks for listening, guys. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out at any of our social media and stay tuned for episodes on character creation and spellcasting. Until next time, this is Chris with Roleplaying Degenerates, wishing you nat 20s on all your roles. 